As you're, as you're seated today, as you're seated, don't mind me. I'm going to operate in the strength that I have. And so if I feel the Holy Ghost, you'll see me jump up on my feet and do what I normally do. But I also knew this. Yesterday, Pastor Uncle told me, she's like, because I was late up in bed the last two days, just haven't done anything but just sleep. And she's like, I've seen you preach when you were worse than this. Guess what I did? That made me mad. So I got up and I said, that's Take it, you're right. You're right. And so I, I got to study. So I've got something I want to drop on your spirit today. Are you ready for the word of God? Whether I'm standing or sitting, can you still say amen to the word of God? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let me start with this real quickly. Um, when I was 14 years old, my father made me help him build a fence around our house. He, he made me for two reasons. Number one, because Dylan and Devin were actually just babies at that time. I'm 14 years older than these handsome guys. I know I don't look it. Well, today I feel it, and, but they were, they were just babies, and so we, hit, we, we wanted to build this fence. The other thing was, is the local hoodlums were vandalizing our house. Guess what they call themselves? The poop gang. <laughs> so the poop gang was out there just causing problems in our neighborhoods. So my dad said, we're going to build a fence. Now, I didn't recognize it at that time, but boundaries can actually be a blessing. Well, somebody heard me, Amen. <laughs> boundaries i mean think about it they can keep the good things in like dylan and devin and they can keep the bad things out like the poop gang right boundaries can actually be a a, a blessing in our lives i want to show you this because this is so biblical and, and I, I think that many times as, as new testament believers we get into this space and place where i've got to love everybody and i've got to and i've got to i've got to be friends with everybody and, and, and guess what yes we do need to love them but not everybody is going to be friendly to you Okay. Even fellow, dare I say, fellow Christians aren't always going to be friendly. And so boundaries can actually be a healthy thing. And I want you to consider in both covenants, our God is a God who understands boundaries. Okay? He understands that. Now, he's a limitless God, but he understands there need to be certain limits with things in our lives, such as water, right? I mean, think about it. In Psalms 104, verse 9, God set the boundaries for the waters that they could not cross. Aren't you thankful for that, that we're not swimming 24-7? God set boundaries in place for a reason, so that they would no longer cover the earth. That's what happened in the days of Noah. Even Jesus, your Savior, he understood the benefits of boundaries. John 2, 24, we know that he just got upset with everyone in the temple and how they're treating the presence of God. Hello, so aren't you glad I, Pastor Ogden didn't walk out here and start flipping tables and made a whip and coming after you just a little bit ago? Okay, but Jesus was upset with how they were treating the presence of God, the house of God, and, and ultimately they were just like, well, you need to give us some kind of sign. And here's what Jesus do. He, he knew the benefits of boundaries. He knew that he could not entrust himself to everybody because he knew everyone's hearts. He knew what was really going on inside of people. So here's the first thing I want to ask you today. Do you want to have some peace in your life? Then learn to set some boundaries. Ooh, come on, somebody. The, the Hebrew word for, for peace is shalom. Okay? Uh, those of you who are Jewish, shalom to you today. Peace, peace be unto you. It just means may all be well with you. But in the New Testament, the New Testament isn't written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. And the Greek word for peace is actually irene. Irene means to have harmony or to have right relationship with. Wow. So if I'm going to have New Testament peace, it means it comes through having right relationships. Peace through right 
relationships. See, I'm just trying to help somebody here to get a little peace in your life. Pastor's going to help me lay up, a, build a fence. Absolutely. Okay, to help you keep some good things in and keep some, keep some bad things out. So when I think of Jesus, when I think of Jesus, he gives me peace with God. How? By writing my relationship with God. Romans 5.1, Paul says this in Romans, he says, therefore, I'm justified by faith. How? Because I have peace, Irene, I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus helped me have a right relationship with God. Therefore, I've got peace with God. But Jesus doesn't just stop at God. What he does ultimately, he gives us peace with one another. How? By writing our relationships. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a society that tries as, as best as it can to, to talk about bringing unity, but all they know what to do or how to do is bring division. But in the body of Jesus Christ, we're the, we are the body of Jesus Christ. We are the family of God. What happens when I become part of this family? I no longer see you for your skin color and see you for your economic status and see you for your background. I see you the way that God sees you as his beloved son, as his beloved daughter. Therefore, it becomes easy for me to be at peace with you because our relationship with each other has been made right through Jesus Christ. If you need a scriptural reference for that, Ephesians 2, Paul says this, for Christ himself is our Irene. He's our peace. He united, check this out, Jews and Gentiles who were one time separate people. He brought them together as one people in his own body on the cross. He broke down every wall of hostility that has separated us. I just need some men and women to do me a favor today and help me bring down every wall of hostility that keeps us divided, keeps us separated, keeps us segregated. Not in this family. Amen. Amen. Ooh, hallelujah. Okay, I need a moment to breathe. The second thing I want to tell you is this, okay? God wants you to avoid being unequally yoked. Yoked, is, it's, a, it's a King James term, right? Anybody grow up on a farm around here? Anybody grow up on a farm? No, we're all city folk? Okay. <laughs> you know anything about how, how, how this used to work way back in the day, way, way back in the day? Okay. They would yoke their oxen together. Yeah, it was it was that that wooden kind of beam that, that caused them to be almost like almost like shackles would look like right. It caused them to be yoked together, and obviously, if if the oxen were different sizes or they were different animals, one was an ox and one was a donkey, <laughs> you're gonna see a, a lopsided effect to your field in terms of their plowing. It's just not gonna work. This is exactly what God is trying to tell us in Second Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen. And I love you as a youth pastor. I used to love using this verse, Pastor Bethel, all the time. I use it with kids all the time. Right? Don't be unequally yoked. Why? Check this out. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership can righteousness have with wickedness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? Now we live, at least in America, we live in a, in a, in a day and age where we're, we're pushing for equality because we see inequality all the time. Right. Inequality in pay, inequality in status, inequality in rights, inequality in treatment. We see this all the time. And what does inequality simply mean? Inequality is just this, that one person is always giving more. One person is always loving more. One person is always sacrificing more. One per Am I talking about someone's marriage? So one person always, is always doing more. It's inequality. And God says, let there be no inequality with us as believers. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What, what, what does that mean? It means God is looking for you to be equal. What does equal mean? 
Equal means same as. That means hang out with people who have the same love for God as you do. Equal. That means if you're going to marry someone, find somebody who loves God the same as you love God. This is what, otherwise, listen to me, your, your whole field is going to be jacked up, baby, by the inequality of who you are connected to. Even in your business. Whew, good Lord. I know they've got resources. And I know they've got charisma, but if they ain't got no Holy Ghost, I'm just trying to tell you, your business is going to be jacked up, honey. God wants us to be equally yoked, the, the same as, the, the, the same as is what God is also to be calling us to. And, and I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, is, is it really a relationship if only one side is doing all the giving? Is it relationship? I mean, what do we define that? It's not, it's not partnership. Uh, what, uh, you become their source because you're doing all the giving, all the loving, all the sacrificing, all the supporting. Do you know this about Jesus? He got so tired one day of everybody just showing up for just the loaves and fishes. I mean, he was, he was just wore out with them. They were just coming for the, for the handouts and the healing lines. And so he just gets so ticked off one day that he just spins it on them. He just flips it on them. He says this in John 6, 53. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any life in you. If, 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 you won't, if, if you won't do this, you don't have any life in you whatsoever. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care how holy you are or how anointed you are or how selfless you are. You cannot stay in a relationship where you are doing all the giving and all the loving and all the sacrificing. Even Jesus was just like, okay, uh, enough's enough. No more freebies. Let's have some fellowship. If you won't eat my body and drink my blood, if you won't have any part with me, then you won't have any life. And guess what happened? I, I love this verse because of how it's written, John 6, 66. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. When he stopped saying, this can't be one-sided anymore. You've got to give a little something back. You've got to be my follower. They're At this point, when Jesus started requiring something of them, instead of just being their, their genie in a bottle, their hand outline, when he started requiring something of them, they turned away and deserted him. Jesus. Here's what, here's what I believe he's trying to show us today. He's trying to show us that everybody cannot have the same amount of access to you. Okay. okay. I will, sir. Everybody cannot have the same amount of access to you. I had to learn this as a pastor at the door, okay, I'm, I'm, as y'all are leaving. Hello, somebody. Everybody can't have the same amount of access to me. Whoo, good Lord. There's sometimes I hide in the back on purpose. I love you, but I'm waiting for you to leave. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Why? Because I've had to learn from Jesus. Some of you, all you want is a handout. You don't want to do anything to turn around and reciprocate. Whew. Good Lord. I know they don't want to hear it, sir. They wish I would have stayed home in bed today. Amen. Should let Pastor Olga preach. Amen. Jesus said, no more freebies. Why? Because everyone can't have the same amount of access to you. They just can't. They, they, they just can't. So here's what you need to start doing. Even today, start asking God, God, who are the people you sent into my life? And who are the people that Satan's sending into my life? Help me discern. Help me differentiate between who, who, who is this? Who are you really sending my way, God? Because... Here's what I, it's the point I'm trying to make. Every time you take a relationship in your life and you move it beyond its boundaries, beyond where it's supposed to go, what happens? 
Every time you, you start letting people who don't deserve to be close to get close, what happens? You start getting hurt. You start feeling betrayed. You, you start feeling used. Every time you move the boundaries on those relationships, you understand what I'm saying? Maybe the problem isn't them. Maybe they were always an a-hole. Okay? Maybe they were always selfish, and maybe they were always going to betray you. But you move the boundaries. You, you move the boundaries. So, so maybe what's happening is they're not the problem. Maybe in actuality what I've done is I have put expectations and weight on a relationship that it, it was not even meant to bear, that it couldn't stand, that it couldn't hold up under. Oh, Lord. I remember the psalmist in the early 90s once said, What is love? But you know, you know what love really is? Here's what love really is. If you're taking notes, write this down. Love is a license to hurt me. Love is a license. Come on. If I don't love you, you can't hurt me. Sure, you can cause me all sorts of problems, but you can't break my heart. Think about what I'm saying here. Only, really, it's the, only pe- the people that you love hurt you. It, it, it's only them, and, and, and only people that can hurt you are people you love. And, and, and so things don't hurt me. People hurt me. And I've got to, I've, I've, I guess I've just got to make a decision here. If I'm going to let you get close, I've got to recognize the closer you are, the deeper the offense is going to happen in my life. If I'm going to allow you close, that means I, I've got to be ready for you to hurt me, for you to wrong me, for you to offend me. Hello, somebody. I, I, You've got to understand how this thing works, and, and that's why you can't just let anybody close. They have to earn their way, earn their way into that place in your heart and your life. Am I doing okay? Yeah. I'm doing all right. You sure? You sure? Amen. Thank you. Because here's what I want, I, want, I want to show you. Paul lays out for me four different types of relationships, and he actually shows us how to identify them. We've got four different relationships I want to point to, and this comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4. We don't typically preach from this text, Pastor Bethel, but, but he shows me four relationships that he's had. And, and, and ultimately, how, how do I identify these relationships? Check this out in verse 9. He says, he's, tell, he's telling Timothy this. He says, do your best to come quickly. Come to me quickly. Because Timothy's his friend. It's his son of the faith. It's his friend. Come to me quickly. Here's why. Because Demas, another, another one of his, his sons in the faith, Demas has deserted me. Because he loves the things of this world. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark. I love this. I love this right here. Get Mark. Bring him with you. Who's Mark? Mark is the guy that caused such a problem for Paul and Barnabas that they separated ways. Because when, when, when they needed Mark, Mark abandoned them as well. And there was such a rift between Paul and Barnabas that they went separate ways. Paul took Silas. Uh, Barnabas took uh, Mark with him. But, but look what happens towards the end of Paul's life. Somewhere along the way, God was able to heal that relationship, restore that relationship. And now he says, Mark, bring him with me because he's helpful. He's helpful to me in my ministry. And he also talked about, talk about this guy named Alexander. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. Here's what you need to learn when people screw with you and mess with you. You're God's child. You're God's anointed. When people try to mess up your life, when they try to jack up your calling or your anointing, check this out. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You don't need to get vengeance. Can't nobody get vengeance like your God. 
Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Leave it in his hands. Leave it in his hands. Okay? We've got these four things that I just want to show you quick that Paul identifies right here. Number one, he identifies these helpers. Helpers. Okay? You've got to learn to identify these, these kind of people in your life. All right? Helpers are relationships that are like scaffolding. Right? You ever seen a building being built? The scaffolding goes up. But once the building's complete, what do they do with the scaffolding? It's gone. So helpers are temporary. They're, they're there as long as we're building something. But once it's built, I don't need the scaffolding anymore. Thank, thank God for those helpers. Pastor Olga can sit here as a witness and tell you of the, of the 12 people that helped us start Impact Church. It's just Olga, Justice, and me that are left. That's it. So I thank God for those people because they helped me start this church, but they're no longer here. And can I tell you, at some point in time when you feel God calling you out of this ministry, learn to leave a place gracefully. Learn to leave it gracefully so that God is glorified. Amen? Amen. Some of you in this room, they, they, they will tell you because I've told them, don't you come to my church till you've made everything right at your last church. Oh, you had some problems over there? Don't bring them here. Make it right there first. That way you can come in with a clean slate. Because if not, if I find out about them, go and make it right. Go and do what Jesus taught you to do and make it right. Amen. Thank you, Ms. Autumn. Thank you. Helpers. Helpers are, are those kind of people that God sends to us in different seasons. Okay. Different times of need that we have. God will send them our way. And here's what I've had to learn to do. I, this has been hard for me, but I have had to learn to stop trying to take someone who was only meant for that season of my life. Stop trying to squish them into this season of my life. I'm just trying to help somebody here today. There's a reason why it's not working because they were meant for, they were designated for that season, but you're still trying to make it work in this season. And, and, and you may not believe this, but listen to me. It's just as much a blessing when certain people leave your life as when they've entered it. Okay. Helpers, helpers. Identify your helpers. Frustrators. Second thing I want to talk about is the frustrators. Yeah. Whoo. Good Lord. I know somebody's, somebody's face just jumped in your head right now, huh? Here's what frustrators really are. Paul said it there in verse 10. He said, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this world. Frustrators are those kind of people that disguise themselves as helpers. But what do they do? They drain your energy. They drain your vision. They drain your time. They drain your bank account. God, they frustrate the mess out of me. This relationship is dysfunctional because what happens? They get the best from you, but all you get is the worst from them. And here's the worst part. You think it's normal. They're frustrators. Because you're praying, right? And they show up as an answer to prayer, but they're actually sent there to frustrate you and frustrate your purpose. Can I give you a quick biblical example of this? Nehemiah is, is rebuilding the wall. And in the book of Ezra, they're talking about rebuilding the wall. Verse, or chapter 4 of Ezra says this. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple for Yahweh, the God of Israel, they approached, I love his name, Zerubbabel. I actually tried to name Justice Zerubbabel, but Pastor Olga wouldn't have it. Yeah. They approached Zerubbabel, and the leaders of the families said to them, check us out, check us out. They said, let us build with you, for we also want to worship your God. And we've been sacrificing to him. But Zerubbabel 
and Yeshua, these were men of God. The other leaders of Israel, they said to them, you will have no part with us in building a house for our God since we alone must build it for Yahweh. So guess what they did? They showed up, right, and could answer prayer, like, we need help building this, building this thing, right? Here's what they did. Then the people who were already in the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. They also bribed officials to act against them to frustrate their plans. These are the people in your life that you've been praying for, but you didn't have enough discernment to say, God, is this you? Or was this the enemy? I'm just looking for any help I can get, and I'll take whatever help shows up, and then, woo, now I'm frustrated at this help because look at what they're doing. They're actually frustrating my purpose. They're sabotaging my plans, and I just need you to know some of you today, you'd be so much further along in your life. You'd be so much further along in your business. You'd be so much further along even in your calling if you would stop hanging out with the people who were sent to frustrate your purpose. Can I tell you somebody today, you'd probably already be married by now if you'd stop dating that person who's only there to frustrate your purpose. Woo. And it got really quiet in the building. <laughs> Paul has helpers. Paul has frustrators. He also has this guy who causes him a great deal of harm. We call them predators. Predators. Predator relationships usually offer something that you're vulnerable to. And they feed that vulnerability. Guess what? We are all flesh but we're also spirit. Purpose, purpose appeals to your spirit, but predators appeal to your flesh. Mm -hmm. What do predators do? They'll give you attention. Woo! They'll give you affection. They'll give you affirmation. I feel like I'm describing somebody's dating life. They give you all these things, but guess what? You pay for everything. I don't just mean financially. You pay for everything with your integrity, with your calling, with your anointing. You pay for it all, and you get nothing in return. These are, these are, are predators. And here's how I think you, you can really start to discern if this is a predator relationship or not. It's because while you're trying to hang on to it, God is trying to separate you from it. That's how you know. That's how you begin to identify. Ooh, Shoot. I'm just, talking about, I'm not just talking about your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Okay? I'm not just, just going to limit it to that. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I just want to help somebody today who's just tired of being schizophrenic. Okay? If you're tired of being schizophrenic in your life, then stop letting your feelings drive your decisions. Firstly, your feelings change like the weather. Your feelings remind me of Chicagoland. On Thursday, it's 76 and you're wearing shorts. And by Saturday, it's 36 and snowing. That's what your feelings are. They change like the weather. But secondly, you need to know this. Your feelings do not care about your future. Your feelings are for the moment. Baby, all we got is tonight. But then you wake up tomorrow morning and you've got to deal with last night. Hello, somebody. Your feelings do not care about your future. And if you want to live God's future for your tomorrow, then you've got to do something today. And today is not about always cleaning up my message from yesterday. It's about surrendering to God today and surrendering those relationships to God. Predators, 
They appeal to your vulnerability. But then all they do is take from you and leave you with nothing. Helpers, frustrators, predators. But I love how Paul's writing this to his son in the faith, his friend. Identify these relationships, family. Identify these relationships because they're few and far between. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. What's a real friend? Someone who still believes in the greatness God has placed inside of me. Even though they've seen my faults. They've seen my flaws. They know all of my inconsistencies and failures. And they still believe God has placed a greatness on the inside of me. Can I, can I tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, maybe you don't always realize this, but even good people sometimes do bad things. Even godly people sometimes make godless choices. And a friend still loves at all times. In fact, I want to take this a little bit further. How, how do I know you're actually my friend? How, how do I know you're my friend? Because my friend covers me. Covers me. Ham in my life will expose my nakedness to the world and tell everybody what I've done wrong. But, but my other sons, my, my real friends, will cover my nakedness. They'll cover my shame. They'll cover up my wrong. They know I've messed up. They know I've screwed up. But a real friend doesn't expose me. A real friend will cover me. And I need to tell you this. Love does not cover occasional sin. Love covers over a multitude of sins. That's the word of God. And if you're going to expose someone, if you're going to judge someone, I just want you to remember what Jesus taught us. The same measure you use will be measured back to you. You want to pass judgment on someone else's struggle? Just know it's coming right back to you. I'm not saying we don't tell them this is wrong. You got to live right. I'm simply saying when you pass judgment on them, like they can never get back up on their feet again. They can never do right again. The same measure will be used back to you. Friends. Friends love at all times. Can you count on, on one hand how many real friends you have? Can, I mean, can you? Jesus taught me something. It was so profound. He, he, he actually showed me this with his disciples because he moved his disciples from the status of servants to the status of friends. And when does he do this? He does this right before he gets ready to die. He says this in John 15 verse 14. Because this is the gauge you have to learn how to use. How, how do I move people from one status to the, to the next? How do I move them from one boundary to the next in my life? Here's what Jesus said. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. You know how I know you're, my, you're, my really, you're really my friend? If you'll do what Jesus commands. Does he command you to, to condemn me and, and, and send me to hell for my mistake? Or does he command you to love me, forgive me, and help me get back up on my feet? Does he command you as a godly man or woman to help restore my mistake? Come on, somebody. I, this is how, this is how I, I really I understand. I can move people from different statuses in life because if you'll do what Jesus commands you, you're his friend. 
And if you're his friend, you could be my friend. And here's what Jesus does. He says, I'm going to use this gauge to, to move you from, from the status of servants to the status of friends. He says, this, I, no, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. Why? Because everything I have learned from the Father, check this out. This is how you move people from level to level. Can I trust you with this deeper level of information? If I can, if I can trust you with this information, then if I can trust you with what God has given me, with what God has told me, if I can trust you with that, then guess what? You're no longer a servant. You are my friend. And this is what Jesus is trying to teach us here. Ladies and gentlemen, you do not give best friend information to an acquaintance and then get upset when that acquaintance uses that information against you behind your back. You don't, you don't get upset with somebody who had no other choice. Why? Because you gave them information they did not earn if I share some personal information with you today and I see you post on Facebook tonight move you out you out you out I'll I, I, I still pray for you but you're not my friend come on I've learned that there are actually two kinds of friends there's a friend who exists because you have, you have something to offer. That friend is there because you've got money. And, and, and you've got possessions. And, and, and you've got popularity. And they're there piggybacking off of what you have to offer. Then there's other kind of friend. They just exist because they genuinely love you even when you have nothing. They just love you. You've got nothing to offer them and they just, they just love you. Paul identifies four relationships that we have to learn to identify. Can I give you one more? It's going to feel silly, but I can't help it. I got to tell you this one. The fifth relationship, it's called a sticker. Sticker. I drew this straight from scripture if you think this is just weird grammar because it kind of is, but it's such good theology. Proverbs 18, 24. One with many unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Not just helpers, not just frustrators, whew, not just predators, not just friends. A sticker, somebody who sticks closer th than a brother. You ever had those kind of stickers you just can't get off stuff? Come on, somebody. You have scraped and peeled and tried it. It is still there to this day. Hello, somebody. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This verse right here is telling me having a lot of friends does not mean I will have a lot of help in my time of need. This is why most celebrities face this kind of dilemma because they have thousands, if not millions of fans, but fandom are, are, are fickle. Fame is fickle because when real problems come, fans just disappear. This is what happened with Jesus. They just disappeared on him, but he's looking for some real followers who have fellowship with him and real friends, ladies and gentlemen, are, are there even in the worst of times. The Bible says that sometimes not even brothers, not even family can be the strongest relationship I possess. I know we all love to say that blood is thicker than water, blood is thicker than oil, blood is thicker than anything, but, but I've had family members. Blood treat me worse than, than, than even my own enemies. But 
this proverb tells me there's actually a, a genuine, authentic friend who sticks closer than even blood. In other words, there's somebody I can count on who will always be there for me, even when my family abandons me. Come on, who is that friend? Who is that friend? In Christendom, there's usually one of only three answers. God, Jesus, or the Bible. Who is that friend? Jesus is that friend. You can sit here to say to me today, but I'm a sinner. But Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. You can sit here and tell me today, but even the people I've trusted have betrayed me or abandoned me. But Jesus promises, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. But, but you can say, but, but I haven't always been a friend to Jesus. But that doesn't change what Jesus says to you in John 15, 13. Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. I know this is going to sound really stupid, but it's such good theology. Even when everyone else quits, Jesus sticks. It's just who he is. He's the one who sticks closer than a brother. And let me finish with this because I'm running out of energy. Jesus earned for us what we could earn for ourselves. A relationship with God without boundaries. I get it. I get it. In most of my relationships, I have to put up boundaries. I have to guard my heart for out of it flow the issues of life. I get it. But Jesus did something for me that I could never do. He established a relationship with God that has no boundaries. That means his love, his grace, his power, his influence, his direction, his wisdom, his word can be limitless in my life. No boundaries between you and God. Jesus established that. Isn't that wonderful to know? That means I can forgive the most unforgivable people. I can still love the most unlovable people. I, I can still operate in my anointing around people who are trying to frustrate it. I, I, I can still do what God has called me to do even if I can't find someone to help me. I can restore things that I didn't think could be restored because I have a limitless, boundless relationship with this living God. That means I can lay hands on the sick and see them recover of any kind of disease, any and every kind of infirmity. That means that you can be so full of demons and demonic people as a legion of them can overtake your life. But because of Jesus, I have a limitless relationship with God and I can cast out all 2,000 to 6,000 of those demons. Limitless. There need to be boundaries in our lives, but there are no boundaries between us and God. Unless you put it in place, he's a limitless God. And Jesus' step is just for us. Literally, what that means is in the time of the tabernacle, you heard me talk about this weeks ago, only the high priest could meet face-to-face -face with God once a year on the Day of Atonement. But Jesus is our atonement. And he tore that veil that separated us from God. And now each and every one of us, each and every one of us, I love how Revelation says about what we get. Revelation 21.3 says, look, God's home, his tabernacle is now with his people. He will live with them. He will literally tabernacle with them. He will live with us. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. Man, this is awesome, ladies and gentlemen. No limits to relationship with God. Anything that was a hindrance has been removed. 
now we have full access to him. As I close this service today, and I, and I speak over you and I pray over you, there's some specific things I want to encourage you to try to do this week. Go ahead. Specifically, for those of you who have toxic relationships in your life, I want to help you build some healthy ones. The first thing I want you to consider doing is this. Just pick one of your most toxic relationships and start to establish some healthy boundaries. It's not difficult. Who's toxic in your life? I hope it's not your, your husband or your wife. But parents can be toxic. Children can be toxic. Sometimes grown children, maybe not always their baby children. But they can have toxic attitudes. They can have toxic desires. Let's help establish some healthy boundaries. Say, like, no, not this week. Not this week. I've got joy. I've got peace. You're not going to steal that this week. I'm going to establish some healthy boundaries. Pastor Olga is, is fantastic for doing this with our children many times. She's like, nope, not today, Satan. Not today. Oh, I'm going to have peace today. Everyone's going to get their attitude in check today. Woo, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I love it when she, gets, when she just puts her foot down and it's like, not today, devil. Okay, we're going to have, we're gonna have, a, we're gonna have a, a wonderful afternoon. Like, yes, hallelujah, amen. Maybe, maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a, a, a relative. Maybe it's a best friend. Maybe it's a neighbor. Decide. I'm going to establish some healthy boundaries this week. I am. And then if you're brave enough, this is hard to do, but this is the next step. Sometimes you need to take time to actually discuss those boundaries. Can I get an amen that most people don't even recognize you're putting no offense up, right? They just, they just don't, they just can't even see it, right? I'm, I'm putting, I'm building the fence. I'm talking to you while I'm building my fence and you don't even recognize I'm trying to create a healthy boundary here. You, you don't even see it. So sometimes you need to actually sit down with those people and talk to them. Hey, look, this is what, this is what I need to do right now. This is what I need in this season of my life. Okay. Huh. And sometimes all we need to really just do is, Lord, give me understanding. Give me opportunity to still minister to this person, even though I'm building boundaries. Still give me opportunity to, to pray for them. I'm not trying to shut them out of my life. I just, I recognize that right now I, I can't have them close. Show me how I can still be there for them. It's not difficult. And then the next thing is just this. Instead of just focusing on always our toxic relationships, how about you take some time this week just to further develop your healthy ones? You got some people in your life that are good to you, that are gracious to you, that are kind to you, that you realize I can't do life without. Instead of just trying to, you know, keep out the, the toxic folk, how about you do something to actually invest in the healthy relationships you have? Some people that are important to you. So, some people that, that you realize I can't do life without. It may encourage you this week, don't just pray for them. Yes, pray for them, but don't just pray for them. How about you do something to reciprocate and just do something kind. Do something gracious. Do something that shows them, I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate this relationship that we have. Lord, I pray you open up our eyes to help identify the relationships around us. Help us see the helpers that are here, even if only for a season. Thank you for the willingness to help. Help us identify the frustrators in our life. Those people who are hell-bent on actually sabotaging our purpose. Help us to see them, identify them, and put them in their place. Help us to identify most definitely the predators 
is ones who take everything from us and never give anything back. Help us, God, to see very clearly who they are. And if we're trying so desperately to hang on to that, oh God, I pray your power is greater to liberate us from these who are actually destroying our lives, destroying our purpose, destroying our anointing. My God, if you, if you, could, if you feel yourself resisting right now, that's the relationship God is pointing out. That's usually how this thing works. Where you feel resistance, that's the Spirit of God trying to liberate. Okay? You're so used to the chains and used to the bondage and used to, it's your, new, it's your normal. That when God says, I'm trying to set you free from this. No, I don't want to, God. That's, that's what the Spirit of God is trying to say. Give it to me. Surrender it to me. And watch how I can, I can give you what you've been looking for. Friends. Friends. Watch how God brings people into your life that don't want anything from you, that aren't demanding anything from you, that might not get anything in return, but guess what? They love you no matter what. And they will cover you when you fall. And they will remind you who you are along the way. In all honesty, I, I realize I've only got a handful of friends in my life. People I can count on no matter what. I do but I'm thankful for those people. For every thousand frustrators and thousand helpers and thousand predators that have ever tried to come into my life, he'll send me a Pastor Beto. He'll send me a Michael. He'll send me a Tommy. People who will love me no matter what. People who are there for me no matter what. People who got my back no matter what. He'll send them. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. And even when I feel all alone and I got nobody, I remember there's a sticker on me that I can't get off. I've got the one who sticks closer than a brother at all times. If you're far from God today, you don't have to be anymore because of Jesus. You can have a limitless relationship with him. Can I ask everyone that will, just for a can you just lift your hands to heaven with me all over this place? Lord, I'm asking today you help us identify every relationship in our life. Help us. Help us to see what they are. Help us to see what they give and help us to see what they take. I'm also going to pray, God, that even now, every one of us, that we would make a decision today to be friends of Jesus and allow Jesus to be my, my closest friend, the one who sticks closer than even family. Because, Lord Jesus, you will never abandon me. You will never forsake me. Lord Jesus, you will never do me wrong when others have. You'll never mock me or make fun of me or belittle me. You believe in me. So we ask today that we identify every one of those relationships, especially this relationship we need with you, Heavenly Father. Through Jesus, we have this with you. Help us to establish today and let it stick once and for all this relationship with jesus matters above all else it matters above all let's be a sticking point today lastly before pastor Olga comes let me just pray this over you god help me to identify which one i am am i just a helper am i a frustrator god help me if i'm a predator help me if i'm a predator get me right if i am but more than anything help me to be a friend because there are many women around me that are lonely and broken and, and they're hurting and they're searching. Help me to be a friend. 
Help me to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother, just like Jesus does for me. Help me to be that in other people's lives, Lord. Whew. Somebody's looking for you today, ladies and gentlemen. They're, they're searching and looking for a true friend. God, help me to become that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.